<clears throat> so let's, uh, uh, we're going to look at a few things in, in 1 Peter chapter 1. But the first thing that we're going to look at is uh, in verses 1 through 5 is that Jesus is our salvation. So let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 5. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. Rory asked me uh, a couple of days ago, knowing that they were going to have the baby, if I could if I could teach. And he gave me the, the option to, to pick up in, in Luke where he left off and um, talking about uh, divorce or picking something else. And I picked something else. <laughs> Figured I'd leave, leave that one for the, the big guns. Um, so anyway, um, in First Peter, we see uh, in, in the first five verses that Jesus is our salvation. Uh, it talks about the sprinkling of blood. And uh, we see three instances in the Old Testament where uh, blood was sprinkled. Uh, the first instance that we see is in the book of Exodus um, when Moses is, is on the mountain meeting with God. And, and uh, uh, during that whole process, uh, when God made a covenant uh, between himself and man, and, and that's the first time that we see blood sprinkled. The second time that we see blood sprinkled uh, also in Exodus is when uh, Aaron and his sons were consecrated as uh, priests. And then the third time that we see blood sprinkled um, in Leviticus is for uh, the purpose of purification. And uh, if you don't know, just the, the way that, that God set it up from the beginning of time is that blood uh, is what makes up for our sins it, it, it takes it's the remission for our sins and so prior to jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood for us um we read throughout all the the old testament about animal sacrifices because blood had to be shed in order to to cover our sins today um after you know those of us that have lived after uh, jesus died on the cross that was the final sacrifice, and thankfully we don't have to sacrifice animals um, today. But if, if you ever want an interesting read, just read through the Old Testament and all the processes that they had to go through, the things that they had to do um, surrounding uh, just purification and, and those kinds of things having to do with, with, with the animal sacrifices. It's, it, it wasn't just a quick little, you know, chop a head off and, and we're good. There, it, was a, it was a big deal. And... Uh, um, thankfully for us uh, that have a relationship with Jesus, um, we don't have to do that because his blood ultimately uh, created our covenant uh, for, for us today between uh, God and man, consecrated us and purified us uh, once and for all. And, and I think for us, it, it's, it's something that we don't think about often. We don't think about um, the fact that uh, Jesus... Uh, ultimately did the things that did the thing that we could not do and, and make up uh, for our sin. Uh, that's not something in and of ourselves as humans that we have the ability to do. And, you know, I, and I include myself in this, but I think a lot of times we just, we get in this cycle of, of sin and, and, and we, we struggle with things in our life. We, we repeat our mistakes over and over again. Uh, we all do. 
And um, we don't take time out to really, I don't think, think about uh, what Jesus really did for us. It's easy for us to uh, have a bad day, have a weak moment, you know, give in to a temptation, whatever, and, you know, the heat of the moment's over. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, God, please forgive me. And then, you know, we're, we're back about our day. Um, I do it. I, I know, I know we all do it. Um, and, and we just kind of flippantly uh, um, don't take our sins seriously. And, and we were bought with such a high price. Um, the blood of Jesus um, is a big deal. And I don't think we really look at it oftentimes as the big deal that it really is. And the thing that I've been challenged with in the last couple of days um, that I would hopefully challenge you guys with too is do we really understand the power of the blood of Jesus in our life? And, you know, the, the easy answer is say, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, man, I've been going to church for a long time. You know, for me, I, I grew up, you know, going through Sunday school and, you know, been hearing about this stuff all my life. Sure, I, I know all about it. Um, you know, but do we really? You know, do we just have this head knowledge that, okay, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed for me? Or, you know, do, do we live in such a way where, where we realize what a powerful thing that is? Um, and and it's, the answer is probably different for all of us. But, but I think the thing that the Lord would challenge us with today uh, is that if, if we're not taking that seriously, if we're not uh, taking the blood that was shed on the cross uh, as seriously as we can, is that, that we need to. Uh, because it is a big deal. Uh, the blood of Jesus is a powerful thing uh, in our lives. And, and so, so that hopefully is, is a challenge for us today uh, because it's a central part of our salvation is understanding um, the blood that was shed on the cross. Um, the second thing that we see uh, regarding Jesus being our salvation is his abundant mercy. Um, it says that we just read that we've been begotten again, or in other words, that we've been born again. And, and the Bible talks about the fact that for those of us that are in Christ, we're a new creation. And, you know, for those of us that, that do have areas in our life that we struggle with, um, maybe constantly, um, <clears throat> we need to t- take stock in the fact that, that God has made us a new person from, from the very moment that, that we believed in our heart and, and confessed with our mouth uh, that Jesus was Lord of our life. We, at that moment, have become a new person, a brand new person, and that um, we're not subject to our, our old way of life. We don't have to, to live in that continual cycle that we've been living in of repeating the same sins over and over and over again. And uh, for those of you that are parents and you have kids, maybe you can relate uh, just looking at your kids. How many times do our kids, uh, especially if you have more than one kid, they, they fight with each other, right? Um, you know, my kids are great, but they fight with one another. Um, and sometimes they, they purposely antagonize one another uh, for no reason at all. <laughs> And you know something that we have to get on them for a lot, and and just me as as a dad and as a human being, I grow impatient sometimes, and and I just look at my kids and I'm, you know and I love my kids to death, but I just look at them sometimes and think, okay, how many times have we talked about this? How many times have we talked about you know it's not okay to hit your sister, or it's, you know, or it's not okay to, you know, whatever. Um, and, and as parents, we we grow impatient. And we just think, man, they they just don't get it. When are they going to get it? Um, but you know what? How, how does God look at us? Because we don't get it. How many times do we continually, uh, over and over and over again, keep making the same mistakes, keep struggling with the same sin, um, repeated times? And, and like if I were God, I would just be thinking, man, those, those guys don't get it. I, I'm just going to wipe them all out. 
You know, it's not worth the hassle and the heartache. But you know what? Just like we love our kids, uh, how much more does, does God love us? And just like we show grace to our kids and just like we show mercy to our kids, how much more so does God show grace and mercy to us? Um, I can't even begin to wrap my mind uh, around the grace and the mercy that God has just shown me in my life. Um, I mean, I know the things that, that I struggle with on a daily basis. I know the, the, the continual things, the things that just continually um, are in the back of my mind. And, and, and even if we don't act on the things that we think, we still think them. And, and God knows our thoughts. And, and like I said, if, if any of us were, were God in heaven, we, I'd just be shaking my head. It's like, that guy's a knucklehead. Why does he keep doing that? But, but God doesn't do that. God loves us, and he, and he just shows us so much grace and, and so much mercy. And it's because of that um, that, that Jesus went to the cross, uh, because of God's grace and, and God's mercy. And uh, so, like I said, the thing that I've really been challenged with just in the last couple of days is, um, is just really taking my walk with the Lord seriously. Um, and, and if you were to ask me, hey, are, are you serious about your walk with the Lord? I'd say, oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I, you know, I go to church here eight nights a week and, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> but, you know, do we really take it seriously? When in, in the way that we know how seriously we take our walk with the Lord is how we deal with our sin and how we deal with, um, you know, matters of, of our salvation. Um, you know, when we sin, are, are we, do we take it seriously? Or do we just flippantly, ah, oh, sorry about that, not going to do that one again. A couple of days later, oh, did that one again, sorry, God. You know, a week goes by. Oh, did that again. Really sorry this time. Promise I'm not going to do that again. You know, and, and you know, we've all been there. Um, but we were bought at such a high price with the blood of Jesus. Um, and he's shown us, like I said, so much grace and so much mercy that I think sometimes we just need to step back from ourselves and take stock of that and really think about what that means to us. Um, because we all get in this mode um, especially in our, in our church, we're, we're pretty busy. We've got a lot of things going on and a lot of opportunities uh, where you guys can be involved, where we can serve. And it's easy to just get busy with those things. It's easy to, uh, you know, to get busy with you know, serving in, in the Sunday school or in the youth ministry or helping with the barbecues or at the Oasis or just all these things that we have going on. Um, and we think we're doing great things, which we are. You know, those are all great things to do. Um, you know, we, we need to be serving the body. But more importantly than serving the body, are, are we taking stock of our, our relationship with the Lord and what it means? And are we taking stock of the sin in our lives and dealing with it uh, accordingly? And, and I hope that we are. And, and just for me, there, there's days that, that, I, that I really do take my sin seriously. And there's other days where it's just not that big of a deal to me. Um, and that shouldn't be. But um, just speaking from my own life, it, it is. But um, we also read that, that we have a living hope uh, in Jesus. And, and, and once we realize really what living hope is and what that's about, um, I think it changes our, our view of things. Um, you know, we all have hopes, right? How many of you guys hope that you win the lottery? I, I would love to win the lottery tomorrow. <laughs> um, you know, how many of you are, are hoping for, you know, raises or promotions at work? Um, how many of you guys are, are hoping that, you know, what, whatever dream or ambition that you have, that if, if this were just to happen in my life, then, then things would just be so great. And, and it's not bad to hope for those things at all. But, but do those things define us? You know, do, does our job define us? Does getting that promotion, is that going to be the one thing that just finally gets our life on track? Or, you know, getting that house or 
whatever it is, if, if just that one thing comes through, is that, is that what's going to define us? Or uh, is our hope in Jesus what defines us? Because ultimately, uh, those things don't last. Jobs don't last. Houses don't last. Um, temporal things don't last. That, that dream or ambition that you have, eventually, it, it's not going to last. It, it's it's going to go away. But what doesn't go away is our relationship with Jesus. And, and when we realize that, that, that our hope um, is in Jesus, that our hope defines us, our hope in Jesus defines us, it changes the way that we look at that job or we look at that house or we look at that car uh, or we look at our, you know, whatever situation we're in in life because our hope is not dependent uh, upon us. Uh, we fail. We're, we're humans. We, we fail every day. But, but when our hope is in Jesus, um, we know that we can't go wrong with that because, you know, we've read the end of the book and we know how things turn out, right? And so we know that having our hope in Jesus ultimately is uh, how it's going to end. And so um, another thing that I've just really been challenged with is, is not letting the things of this life uh, define me, um, but letting my relationship with Jesus uh, define who I am, uh, let it, letting it define the things that I say, the things that I do, and the things that I think. Um, because, like I said, it really it changes kind of your view of things uh, when we put our hope uh, in Christ and not in the things of this world. Um, the other thing that we read is that we have an incorruptible, uh, undefiled inheritance. Um, how many of us have, have, have got an inheritance? Maybe a, a family member or a close one passes away and, and uh, we inherit. You know, maybe it's money, maybe it's a house, maybe it's, you know, whatever uh, possessions that person had, but, but we get an inheritance. Um, I had a friend of mine uh, down in California who uh, inherited almost a half a million dollars when his dad passed away, and, and it took him about two years to go through it. Um, you know, it was temporal. Uh, it was temporary. They, they bought a house and all kinds of toys and, and ate out three times a day for, for two years until the money was gone, and, and you know, that was it. And so those kinds of inheritances are temporary, but the inheritance that we get from, from our relationship with Christ is, is not temporary, it's eternal. And not only did, did, did Jesus save us from hell, but the other side of the coin is that, that there's all this good stuff that goes along with our salvation, our inheritance in Christ, our life in Christ. And, and, and I think we've got to be able to look at that properly and not, not just focus on all the bad stuff that... that that Jesus saved us from, but all the good stuff uh, that goes along with it. And, and that's a whole other study in and of itself. But uh, just to, to briefly uh, touch upon that, we've got to realize that, that we've got an inheritance uh, in the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, how many of you, like, if you know um, that you're going to inherit something from, you know, mom or dad or grandma, grandpa or whoever, like maybe you find out that, that you're going to get this inheritance. Well, now you're probably a little bit nicer to them, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's our human nature, right? If if we know that something's coming our way from somebody, well, hey, now we're you know we're going to grandma's house for lunch, or you know hanging hanging out with grandpa a little bit more, or, or dad, or or whatever, um, you know how much more uh, with our relationship with the Lord, knowing that that we have this this wonderful inheritance in the kingdom of God, um, should we draw closer to Him, and, and not not for our own gain, um, you know, at all, but. Because we understand a proper view of our salvation, understanding that, that Jesus paid a price for us. And so we have uh, an obligation of sorts um, to live our lives for him. 
And so, like I said, I've been greatly challenged with, with that, and I, and I hope that you guys are, are challenged with that today uh, as well to, to really have uh, just a correct understanding of, of what our salvation means and, and what a price w- was, was paid for it. Um, the second thing that, that we read in verses 6 through 9 is that uh, Jesus is our faith. <clears throat> in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. First thing that we read about faith in, in this, this chunk here is that, that faith brings victory in trials. How many of you are going through a trial right now? Many of us are. Um, the economy stinks. People are losing jobs. People are getting laid off. Um, you know, people that are self-employed just aren't working as much as they used to. Uh, things are probably tight for many of us. And the cool thing about trials in our life is that <clears throat> we read that, that, that trials are brought about in order to grow our faith. You know, we can come to church as much as we want and sit through as many Bible studies as we want. We can read our Bible for hours a day, listen to guys on the radio for hours a day, get every podcast that's out there uh, and listen to it. But nothing is going to grow our faith quite like going through trials uh, does, because that's really where the rubber meets the road um, in, in reality. And so... Um, you know, do we allow our trials to to define who we are? Or do we allow our relationship with Jesus to define who we are? And, and hopefully uh, it's our relationship with Jesus that defines us, not our trials. But how many times in, in a, you know, whatever trial, whether it's a big one or a small one, uh, you know, we look at, at ourselves and we just think, oh, you know, I'm having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. And, you know, life is just so, so not good for me right now. Um, or is our focus on, you know, Lord, what do you want me to learn out of this trial? How are you going to grow me? Why am I going through this trial and, and focusing on, on what Jesus has for us rather than, you know, how much it, it stinks to be us right now? Um, you know, where, where is our focus? And, and that's another thing that, like I said, I've just been greatly challenged with um, is to have our focus in the place where it needs to be um, during those trials. You know, last time that, that I checked, you know, I, yeah, things are, are tight for us because, you know, I'm in the mortgage business and, and it's a terrible business to be in right now. But you know what? I haven't missed a meal and I have a place to sleep every night. Can't really ask for a whole lot more. And, and so, you know, we have to, in the midst of our trials, uh, you know, choose to focus on Jesus and what he has for us uh, rather than, than focusing on ourselves um, and just how bad it, it is to be us at that moment because, um, you know, there's a lot of people struggling, you know. There's not just one person in this room that, that's struggling financially right now. Many of us are. Um, but where is our focus? Is our focus on Jesus? Is our focus on us? us? And are we going to allow that trial uh, to grow our faith? Uh, or are we just going to be stubborn and, and, and have an inward uh, myopic kind of a focus? And, and so another challenge for us today is, is if you're in the midst of a trial right now, whether it's a little one or, or a big one, and I'm sure there, there's plenty of both, um, is to let Jesus uh, define you in this trial and to let Jesus grow you uh, during this trial. Uh, don't let your faith 
uh, be shaken because ultimately and the next thing that, that, that we read is that faith brings glory to God. Um, the stronger our faith is, the, the more glory that we bring to him. Um, and, and just just for example, if you know many of us uh, have coworkers and, and family members that, that know that we're believers and, and, and when they see us struggling through a trial, um, our faith uh, will bring glory to God when people see that in us. How, how many of you, uh, if you were to just never say anything to anybody, um, would the people around you know that, that you're a believer? I, I hope so. Uh, hopefully, because they they see your faith, they see you living your faith um, out loud, even if you never said a word to them um, about the things that we believe, and and that's a great challenge as well. Is is that we've got to live out our faith because people people see it, and and in our faith, we we just have such an incredible opportunity to to bring glory to the Lord uh, just by living out our faith, putting our faith in Jesus, um, and, and letting our trials. Uh, point us to Jesus, and not only us, but letting our trials point others to Jesus. Um, because I guarantee um, for many of us that, that there are people that are watching how, how you deal with whatever trial it is that you're going through. And they're going to make a determination on, on Jesus based on how you handle the trial uh, that you're going through. Um, if, you, if you crumble and, and, and have that inward focus or, or if you just allow your faith to grow and allow Jesus to be seen in the midst of your trial, uh, that's going to speak volumes to, to the people that are around us, the people that we work with. Uh, we read that our faith is precious, more precious than gold. Um, gold is, is, is a pretty precious commodity. It always has been. Um, but how much more precious uh, is our faith uh, than even having, having gold? Um, it's just something that we can't even measure. And, and I think that, that, again, just in the busyness of life and the busyness of, of serving in the church, um, we tend to forget how precious uh, our faith really is. Uh, I think a lot of us, uh, myself included, we can talk a pretty good talk. Oh, I have, I, I have faith in Jesus. I, I know the Lord's going to come through for me in, in this situation. I know the Lord's going to provide. Um, and it's easy to say those things, but... You know, maybe we're here at church and, and, and you know, we're, we're talking to people and, and saying those things, but, but then we go home after church and then it's like you just think about all day, oh, man, i I, I got to figure out how to make some money or i got to figure out how to, how to get out of this mess and, and, and are we really placing that thing in the Lord's hands? Um, you know, we, we've got to be able to evaluate that and, and realize that, um, that our faith is precious and that our faith allows us to point others to, to Jesus uh, according to how we handle situations. Um, our faith brings joy, we read. Um, and there's a big difference between happiness uh, and joy. And, and happiness, uh, the way that I, I look at it, is that happiness is dictated by circumstances and, and joy is, is dictated by our faith in, in Jesus. And, and circumstances change and so does happiness. It comes and goes. Um, we can be happy you know, if we finally do win the lottery or we can be happy if we get that promotion uh, or we get that new job or that new car or that new house, and those things make us happy, and, that, and that's okay. Um, but where does our joy come from? Does our joy come from those things? And, and again, do we allow those things to define us, or does our joy come from the fact that that God loves us and, and that Jesus died for us? And does our joy come from uh, the grace and the mercy that, that he's given us? Um, because that has no bearing on our circumstances whatsoever. Um, we read in Hebrews where, where Jesus, it says that uh, for the joy set before him uh, endured the cross. 
And uh, I've never really thought of uh, going, you know, dying in that manner as really a joyous occasion. But but Jesus, even though uh, being fully human, didn't want to do it, and, and being fully God at the same time, um, saw the joy that was set before him in being able to to do that. And and that's what defined him. That's what what dictated and directed his actions uh, was the joy set before him. And so so hopefully we can be challenged today. Uh, to find our joy uh, in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus, not in uh, circumstances that are going to change, not in circumstances that are going to come and go, um, but in our Savior who uh, we also read is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, The third thing that we see in verses uh, 10 through 12 is that that Jesus is our legacy. Uh, Let's read in verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which we now, which have now been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And uh, just for the sake of time, we're... We're just going to briefly uh, uh, hit on this. But, but when it talks about in, in verse 12, um, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us uh, they were ministering. And speaking of, of the, the, the prophets in the Old Testament um, and how the things that, that, that they were doing were, were not for themselves but, but for us who came after them. And, and it really speaks to me of, of leaving a legacy um, you know, we look at, at just some of the, the great men of the Bible like David and Daniel and, and, and such, and, and they just left what an amazing legacy. And even, you know, New Testament heroes like, like Peter and, and Paul uh, just left an incredible legacy of, of lives lived for the Lord. And, and the, the question I would ask you guys today is, is what is your legacy? Um, if it were just to all end right now, what, what would your legacy be? How would your family remember you? How would your kids remember you? Uh, how would those people around you uh, remember you? Would they remember you as as a man or a woman that was really good at their job? Would they remember you as the guy with the big house? Would they remember you as you know the guy that always drove new cars? Or would they remember you uh, as, as the man or the woman that, that loved Jesus? Um, and, and hopefully that's the case. For those of you that have been coming on Wednesday nights, we've spent the last several months going through First uh, and Second Samuel, and, and looking at the life um, of David, and, and David was a guy that did a lot of great things for the Lord, but he was also a guy that, that screwed up pretty big uh, when he did, and uh, he was a terrible father, and, and David made a lot of mistakes. But but what does the Bible say about David and his legacy? He was a man after God's own heart, and, and here was a guy that that screwed up a lot, but that wasn't his legacy. His legacy was that he was a man after God's own heart. And, and, and that's a whole other study in and of itself, too. But the, the major difference between David and, and Saul is, is the way that they dealt with their sin. And, and David was a man that understood uh, some of these things that we're talking about. And he was a man that understood um, who God was and, and who he was in light of that. And he was a man that, that dealt with uh, his sin uh, properly, even though it, it happened a lot for him. He, he dealt with it, and, and he walked humbly before God. And, and so just in speaking of leaving a legacy, we can really learn from, from those kinds of examples um, of how we can leave a legacy 
for our kids, for our, our family, for our friends. And hopefully our legacy is that we were a person that loved Jesus uh, with everything that we had. Because when our life comes to an end, that, you know, that, that house, that car, that job, uh, those toys, they, they just aren't going to matter. Um, it's not going to do a thing uh, for our kids. But, but what will is the fact that we were a person that lived for Jesus uh, day in and day out. And then the last thing that we're going to read is in verses 13 through 16, that, that Jesus is our hope. <clears throat> Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, and in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. First thing that we read about hope uh, is that it calls us to action, to, to gird up our loins, um, the loins of our mind, and be sober. Um, that speaks of action. And, and if we have our, our hope in Jesus, um, it's going to dictate our actions. Um, it should dictate our actions. Um, when we have our, our hope in you know, getting that, that better job or that promotion, it dictates our actions, right? If you want a better job or a raise, you're going to do good at the job that you have. And you're going to make sure probably that you do good when the boss is watching, right? Um, well, the same is true of our, our relationship with, with Jesus. And if that's where our hope is, we're going to do everything we can uh, to serve Jesus. And so if we're not doing everything that we can to serve Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, well, where is our hope? Is, is our hope in, in him and his kingdom? Or is our hope on, on earthly things that, that are temporal and that are going to fade away? Uh, because ultimately, um, our hope should lead us to Jesus, because that's the only thing that in the end um, that's going to matter. Um, and, and lastly, hope leads us to holiness. And, uh, you know, holiness is one of those words that uh, I don't know if we all fully grasp, you know, what it is to, to be holy. You know, we think we're holy because, you know, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so that, that just makes me holy. Or I come to church and, you know, do good things, and so, so that makes me holy. Um, but holiness speaks of, of being set apart. Uh, being consecrated, like we talked about earlier, being, being set apart uh, for the service of God. And holiness is not something that, that we can dictate. Uh, holiness is something that, that dictates us. We can't just get up one day and decide, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be holy today. Um, it doesn't work that way. You know, holiness is, is what dictates our actions. It dictates our thoughts. It dictates the things that we say. It dictates the things that we do. Um, because we're striving in our relationship with Jesus. We're, we're growing our faith. Uh, we want to leave that legacy. All these things that we talked about, uh, wanting to be holy uh, dictates those things in our life and dictates uh, our actions. And, and, and that's the, the last thing that I want to leave us with today uh, is just a challenge to all of us, uh, myself included, uh, is to be holy and, and let our holiness dictate um, not only our actions uh, and our words, but, but our thoughts, because, because God knows our thoughts. And, and I think it's easy for us to, to have an attitude that, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't act on my thoughts. I really don't like this person, but I didn't say anything to him, so, so that's okay. Well, no, it's not okay, because um, God knows our heart. God knows our thoughts. You know, I really wanted to, to, to commit adultery with that person, but, but I didn't do it. And so, you know, that, that makes me good. Well, you know, the Bible says that when we think about that thing in our mind, it's the same thing as, as if we were to have physically committed the act. 
And, and so being holy is, is, is about more than, than just doing good things and saying the right things. And, and so, like I said, that's the last thing I want to leave us with today is, is a challenge to holiness, uh, a challenge to allow our relationship with Jesus to dictate uh, who we are, what we say, uh, and what we do. Because when that happens, uh, we begin to see uh, fruit come out of our lives. We begin to see, uh, just like we saw with David, that his sin uh, affected people around him. It affected his kids. It affected uh, the whole kingdom. Well, the same thing is true of our holiness. When, when we allow ourselves to be dictated by a relationship with Jesus, it affects people around us. Um, but not in the way that, that, that sin affects, but in the complete opposite way. It, it points people to Jesus, and it shows people uh, who Jesus is. And so let us be challenged with that today, uh, that, that through our actions, through our thoughts, through our words, uh, through our relationship with Jesus, that, that it would be uh, such that it points people uh, to him and to who he is. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you again for this day, and uh, thank you for your word, and uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, that you are holy. Uh, God, it's our prayer today, it's my prayer today, Lord, that you would uh, just allow us and help us and show us uh, how to be holy as you are holy. Lord, I pray that... Uh, um, as we leave here today, Lord, that we would just really be challenged with um, allowing our relationship with you to dictate our actions, to dictate uh, every part of our life. And Lord, I pray that, that we would just be people that would seek uh, everything that you are with everything that we have. And uh, just pray that you'd be with us as we go from here today. And uh, just pray, Lord, that, uh, that you'd be speaking to our hearts. And uh, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.